Oh, Jay. <laughs> Man, it's a good thing we're not talking about technology today, isn't it? <laughs> so good. So good. Well, we preach at Spotlife about being really human, and so that that was that was some human moments there trying to get this get this going. That's it. Well, there, you'll get no shade from us. Uh, you know, so, sometimes the mic works, sometimes the camera doesn't. I mean, you know, what are you going to do? I know. I know. I think this is like my tenth podcast in like six months, and you never know, right? You never know. Oh man. Well, how have you been? I feel like it has been a minute since I have seen you. It has. It has. I, listen, man, I'm good. I was, I was, I was thinking when the invite came in for this. I'm like, all right, well, let's think back. And you know, when did the relationship start? I was trying to do some math, and I think it was probably 2009-ish for you and I, Chris. And I think Jerry's about about the same time, 2009, 2010, was when we were first getting higher view going, and we're kind of getting out in the marketplace. But it's good. I mean, listen, I've I've got. Started a startup in the past year, right? Trying to navigate economic turbulent times, but I, I just measure everything just on health and what really matters. You know, works work, right? And so I think we we try and take care of ourselves first, physically and mentally, and then everything else goes from there. So overall, doing doing awesome. Um, <laughs> yeah. How about you guys? What's new? Well, I mean, it's the seventeenth day of the new year. There's still time for me to mess it up. <laughs> <laughs> that's the way I look at it. <laughs> right. The slate is still blank. That's right. Yeah. It's all good for me. I'm just fine. That's, that's Jerry's already got more miles this year than la- than last two COVID years combined traveling. No. He's in the zone now. ITZ. Oh my gosh, that's funny. Well, okay. So we could just jump right in because we're going to talk about some fun stuff today. I mean, we've got well, not so fun stuff from a nutrition standpoint, but also you you've got some uh, I hear some New Year's resolution life hacks we're, we're going to want to hear about. Yeah. 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 I think so. I think Good. it is the season for that. Right. So happy to share some, some thoughts and some ideas and just grateful for the opportunity for you guys to have, have me on. And first of all, catch up with you guys, but just talk, talk a little more about what's going on in the world. All right. Well, let's do it. We're going to jump right in. You ready? Yeah, let's go. Here we go. Welcome to the CXR channel, our premier podcast for talent acquisition and talent management. Listen in as the CXR community discusses a wide range of topics focused on attracting, engaging, and retaining the best talent. We're glad you're here. If I was going to make a New Year's resolution, it's going to be to not get rid of the bumper because I talk about it. I talked about it all last year, getting rid of the bumper. And I find myself kind of jamming out in the green room when it's on anyway. Welcome, everybody. If this is uh, your first time listening to us, you've joined the Recruiting Community Podcast uh, hosted by myself, Chris White, president of Crossroads. Uh, And this is where we bring in uh, talent acquisition leaders and experts to talk about what's top of mind for them, what's going on in their space. Uh, and sometimes they're not necessarily in TA, but shoot, we just bring in people that we like. So we hope that you'll like them as well. Uh, as luck would have it today, we do have somebody from the TA space. And if you were there for our little preamble up front, you'll know that we've known him for a while. Really quickly, though, I want to remind you, cxr.org slash podcast uh, if you want to hear uh, previous events and see what's coming up next. And also, if you're joining with us live in the stream on YouTube, uh, Facebook, uh, I think we're on the Twitter Uh, Some of these locations, they're going to let you chat live. So if you want to chat, you've got questions for our guests today, or you just want to say hello and a shout out, 
Uh, I'll even show you this right here, uh, newbie show. Welcome to the show, Stacy. Look at that. She's our first star of the day. So chat in that chat, a uh, little chat stream, and you can say hello to us. We'll put it in if you've got questions again. Uh, you can drop those in. Also, if you'd like, for those who may be listening or watching later, go ahead and drop your LinkedIn profile in there. Uh, if you're on LinkedIn and watching us, do a little bit of networking, right? Multitasking while you're there. So with all of that, uh, I am going to go ahead and bring in uh, Jerry Crispin. Jerry, say hello to everybody today. Yeah, okay. You might. I think you might be muted, but you're saying hello. I can see it. There it is. All right. And we're speaking of technology. We're also going to bring our guest today, Josh Sweetie. Josh, how are you? Chris, Jerry, how are you? Doing good. Josh, Josh, we'll jump right in. For those who don't know you, who have not had the honor of knowing you, the privilege, uh, as long as we have, why don't, why don't you give us kind of an escalator pitch of who is Josh and why do we care what Josh has to say today? Why do you care? Right. Well, I, um, I, listen, I've, I'm not a, I'm not a practitioner, right? I don't, I don't own a, a VP of talent title. Um, but I have been in this space for two decades. I have kind of seen it all from talent acquisition, talent management, performance management, et cetera. I'm just a student of the, of the human resources capital industry and have been at a lot of startups um, over my years. I was early at a company called HireRight back in uh, mid-2000s, was part of the first five employees at HireVue in 2009, had great runs at both those companies. Uh, I've worked at Cornerstone, I've worked for Marcus Buckingham, but um, at the end of 2021, I went on my own and started my first uh, startup that I founded, along with Scott Fowle, uh, another industry veteran um, with some amazing uh, backers like Jason Corsello at Acadian Ventures and Mark Newman and Lauren Larson. And we, we aim to solve the problem of burnout in the workplace. Um, we just felt that most of all of the HR and software apps, nobody gets excited to use those, yet they, they use things on their phone to help them with physical wellness, mental wellness, sleep, diet, et cetera. And so we wanted to build something for the people from day one that really helped people understand that, hey, there's stress and we all have it. We're trying to juggle, but there's work and then there's life and there's self-care and they're disconnected. And so we're on a mission to help people lead higher quality lives. And we feel like we got a little secret sauce here to go do that. I love it. I love it. All right. I'm going to ask it. I got to ask it because it's a, we got an audio. We might have another audio issue. So Jerry, does Josh sound okay to you? Is uh, or anybody like Josh sound okay to you? Is it a little staticky? Got a little scratchy. All right. A little scratchy. All right. So here's what we're going to do, Josh. And you're on a, you're on a laptop PC? Yeah. yeah. Just hit refresh in the browser window and you'll be right back. We're going to give that a shot. That is usually the problem Chris has. And there we go. There he goes. Jerry, how are you? It's good to see you. I'm, you know, <laughs> I'm just wonderful and and feeling good that I'm not so scratchy. Oh, man. Let's try that. Say something for us, Josh. Tell me I'm not scratchy, Chris. You're, you, you're velvet. You're just smooth. Velvet. Velvet. You sound velvet. good. That's good. That's good. good. Stuff. Well, so okay, so we have known you for a long time. Uh, you have been in the space uh, quite a while, and it is, you know, and I believe that's a little bit of a reoccurring topic, you know, with with that um, that ability to sort of enjoy where you are in the space, right, from a working standpoint. And that's that's kind of been something that, as long as I've known you, has sort of come up in conversations. But it's it's really interesting to hear that you're doing some stuff like that now, sort of formally, right? Really, really taking that on and pushing that forward. Is that is it, is it just always sort of been part part of your 
persona? Is that is that why that that drove you to the to the spotlight life? Well, I think are you asking about startups or just kind of how we're uh, how we put the solution together? Kind of the solution together because you've just always been a startup guy as long as I've known yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I well, I listen. I think everybody in 2020 had this forced pause, right? And everybody slowed down. And I got to I got to travel around for work a lot over in Europe before the pandemic, you know. And I, and I, Stacy from France is on. You know, the Europeans understand this, right? They don't consistently put work before their life, and for better or for worse, us in America tend to do that. And so I think when everybody had a chance where it was okay to slow down and pause, I think they realized a few things about themselves, right? And so, um, so we, we started Spotlight after that, right? And so we just, we started with data and we started interviewing lots of people. We started interviewing uh, CHROs, heads of talent, but we also started interviewing these people that were writing on LinkedIn that said, hey, I quit my job today. I got nothing else to run to, but I couldn't take it anymore. Mm-hmm. And Chris and Jerry, those conversations were fascinating, absolutely fascinating. And so um, it kind of triangulated back to what our hypothesis was, is, is the workforce of the future that understands, and hey, there's more to your people. Like we all, they all say this on their public, on their annual reports, right? Publicly traded companies. We care about our talent. Like that's everything to us. And that's, that's one mm-hmm. of the reasons I'm staying in this industry is, is talent is always forefront for the CEO. But do we really care about them? Right? Do we really truly care about them outside of work? And so- um, so we're trying to figure that out, like the intersection of work and life and self-care and does the workforce, the future, will they be higher performing orgs because, and thrive because their people are thriving. So that's what we're trying to shine a light on here. And yeah, I, I, I have not always been like this. Actually, when you guys met me, I was consistently putting work over life, um, doing a ton of travel, but I also super passionate about the companies I was at. And I think I realized after the fact, maybe just getting a little older too, a little more, a little more gray than the first time. You met me, I think, you know, trying to take care of yourself first and understanding what matters most, everything else flows off that. So yeah, in the early days, I think I was very, very guilty of the same thing that we're, we're preaching here. Yeah. Well, I mean, what kept you from burnout, Josh? I mean, are you, are you just as superhuman as we've always thought you were, or, or was there something along the way that just sort of clicked for you? I burned I burn out. Did you crash? Did you crash? And we missed absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, a couple times. Um, I mean, I, I left, I joke about this with Mark Newman, the founder of HireVue, but I left in year five when realistically the company was at an all time high. I mean, it's, it is, it is super hard to get a brand new idea off the ground. And that's what we were doing, right? We were, we weren't a better mousetrap. We were saying, Hey, listen, there's, there's better ways to analyze and recruit can- higher quality candidates through asynchronous video interviews and all that. But so we, it took us a while to evangelize that, but it was really humming. But I was, guys, I was gassed. I had, you know, I was spending three out of four weeks traveling a month and I went to Mark. I'm like, I don't think I can do this anymore. And I think at the time I was with a, I think we were, the kids were at five, three and one. And I just wanted to, I went back and I wanted for a company in Chicago, I wouldn't have to get on a plane as much. But in retrospect, I had no business leaving that, like everything we had worked for. But I just, when you burn out, it, you don't know you're burning out until it's too late. And that's, and that's what happened to me. And when we started to share those stories around, I think, you know, I see somebody saying, agree with this hundred thousand percent, Desiree, a lot of people burn out and they don't know what's happening until it's too late. And so, yeah, right. I've, this has absolutely happened to me. And I think when you open up the dialogue, you know, people either admit that they've done it or they're like, wait, I did burn out and I never realized it happened in the first place. And some of us don't know the difference because we work in these cultures or we grow up in these cultures or these managers that just, 
you know, ingrain these behaviors in us. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's tricky. It is a cultural issue. I mean, I, I, I can remember when I was working with, um, in recruitment advertising from New York and the folks in Chicago would just say, you know, your people are rude. I'm going, what do you mean they're rude? They said, well, they don't want to just chat and talk a little bit about what's going on in their life. They, they, they want to get to the point and get on with it. I said, well, that's New York. It's not rude. It's just New York. <laughs> then I was in I was in Brazil. I'd taken a delegation to Brazil, and the to, and we were at Hewlett Packard, and the president of Hewlett Packard came in, and there were fifteen of us, and he went around the room and took an entire freaking hour talking to each person individually, and and I'm going, what the hell is this? He says, well, in Brazil, we don't start a meeting until we catch up with everybody. And I'm going, yeah, but that's an hour. <laughs> and he said, yeah, but it was a good hour. You know, that kind of thing. And I'm going, yeah, but we got nothing done. This is going to be a very long day. <laughs> yeah, I, but, I, but I have to say, so Josh, when you're, when you're telling a little bit of your background there, it does resonate with me a bit. And I didn't realize, uh, it didn't really register with me how much I was traveling uh, until the pandemic hit. Because I think Jerry and I were doing 11 or 12 events a year, live events with our members, not to count dozen or so dinners somewhere that we would travel to, at least two international trips that we would go to, and then the dozen or so of conferences. And I don't think until we couldn't do that, I realized how much we were on the road uh, and how much more relaxed and how much more, you know, we could focus on the work getting done. So I think maybe I fell in the department of... um, obliviousness, uh, you know, where I just, I just didn't know that that was going on. So what would be uh, like, and, and I know uh, Desiree Caruso, thank you so much. She agrees a thousand percent. We just threw on the screen, but like, what, what would be a sign for people like you or people like me who, who just don't realize that maybe they're approaching some level of burnout? I think one time, one thing to do is maybe, you know, ask your friends or ask your significant others or your coworkers, right? Hey, are you seeing any behavior differences in me? Um, cause sometimes you just can't see it yourself. Uh, I think that the other thing is looking at, you know, doing your own regular vitals checkups, right? Like, are you sleeping well? You know, like, can you fall asleep and sleep mm. through the night? Although as I, as I approach 50 here, guys, it's a little bit harder to sleep through the night. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to say why, but I'm getting up at six o'clock every morning anyways. <laughs> That's the story for another day. But um, yeah, I think I think checking checking in with yourself, checking in with your peer groups, and then you know, are you taking care of yourself too? And I think when you start to when you start to remove the one thing, so one thing that we have learned um, is like when you stop doing that own self care, everything just it falls down. And so that's not our research. We did we did this white paper over the summer with Dr. Britt Andriata. You guys might know her back from her LinkedIn Linda days, and she does all kinds of amazing consulting on on culture and and workforce, but we wrote this paper on burnout in the workplace and um, man, some staggering statistics in there, right? Where like you're, when you, when you prioritize work over life and do it consistently, you're literally taking time off the back end of your life. So when you look at it, like through that lens, it's like, wait, hold on. Why am I, why am I getting on the plane again this week? Right? Why am I, why am I agreeing? Like, I, especially for you guys, you can see when the travel's coming two, three, four months ahead of time. Like, why am I agreeing to, you know, four and a half trips in a four week month? So um, I just think being more self-aware about everything 
trying, whether it's, whether it's exercise, whether it's eating, whether it's sleep, making sure you take care of yourself first. Um, cause when you're not, so if you, if you're looking at the checklist, like I'm not even doing those, there's pretty high likelihood that burnout is already happening or that concept of hustle culture, putting work first. Yeah. Well, it looks like I'll just another shout out. I'll give it to Desiree. Um, and I hope I'm saying that right. Sorry. In the chat, it looks like she's my burnout sister from another mister. She says, I didn't realize I needed to take a step back and focus on quality of life until the pandemic forced me to do that. Uh, and said it, it helped her to sort of shift, shift her perspective. Yeah. And I, I think, so she's not alone. So when I mentioned those interviews that we were doing with the people that were posting on LinkedIn and getting like the 500 comments, I quit my job. I didn't have anything to run to. Um, I didn't even tell my significant other. They're getting like 500 likes and comments and they did the same thing. They had the forced pause. They slowed down like, wait, if everything can be taken away from me so fast, why am I spending time with a toxic manager, a toxic culture, leadership? I'm not even sure I trust. And so what people did is they slowed down, they paused, they took the step back and like, well, I need to rethink what I'm doing here because I'm, I'm continuing to put into something that's not providing much for me in return as it relates to my own self-care. It might be paying me what I need, but at some point I think people are analyzing like, what's that worth, right? Or can I find some other way to, to check that box? Yeah. So give us, before, before we go a little further, give us one more uh, one more temperature check, one more barometer check. Like the first one is ask your friends if you're being an asshole. I caught that. I heard that loud and clear. What, what would the second one be like outside of behavioral changes? Is there another self-diagnosis, a way we can say, look like a hard look in the mirror to see if, if maybe we're headed in that direction? I think I, I, I've started this year um, in the past few months, I started slowing down in the mornings, totally outside of anything in spotlight. And I have been just doing reading and I'm not a reader. So this is new behavior for me, right? I've just been reading kind of just daily coaching tips and stuff. And um, I kind of just do a, a self check-in like, well, like, how does this resonate with me? Is this like, am I being the person that I want to be, you know? And so yeah. um, I think that's another way just to slow down and kind of get, a, like if burnout is being caused by work, get away from work. And, you know, are you doing the things that you want to be doing outside of that? Because the to-do lists, for better, for worse, they're endless. And listen, I am not advocating for not working hard. I mean, I've got the, the Midwest in me. Like I, I enjoy working, right? I, I enjoy that. I enjoy the growth and stuff like that. But you got to make sure that you're also taking care of yourself uh, along the way. So I think just doing some things outside of work and is that is that filling your bucket up or are you finding yourself like, and you commit to them, if you find yourself like not even doing those things, then that's another telltale sign of like, am I doing the things that I really want to be doing outside of work or is it just going to be work? Or when I plug from work, is the work still turning around in my brain where I can't help but think about the things that I'm doing at work, even though I'm not supposed to be working, i.e. weekends, i.e. yesterday, yeah. Luther King Day, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. give me a time off. Well, Josh, let me ask you. So you mentioned earlier about, you know, people uh, weighing in that, you know, if, if their boss get kind of cares about them outside of work. Right. Checking in to Jerry's point, like in Brazil, they, you know, they wouldn't start a meeting when he was there until they had caught up with everybody. You know, that sort of thing from a culture standpoint. And am I a freak? Because when I as I was, you know, sort of climbing the ladder in my career, I never cared that my boss cared what I had going on at home. It was for me, it was always does my boss know that I'm working as hard as I can or doing all the stuff that I can I didn't need them to ask me how my kids were. I didn't need them to ask me what I was doing this weekend. That was nice, but that didn't drive me. Is research showing, and maybe it's because I'm 50 and I've got a little more gray and I'm a different generation, but is research showing that that is the case or is it an issue of younger workers that maybe just need that? Or 
Am I just, you know, the asshole that didn't care that anybody didn't care? I, listen, I, I think everybody's different. Do <laughs> you want to take the answer to that one? No. Yeah, I, I will say this, that one of the things that the pandemic has taught us is that, especially with all of the people who are remote, we they're they're far enough away that we're not talking to people at over a over a uh, uh, you know coffee break uh, at work any longer. We're talking to people who maybe in different countries or different mm-hmm. sets of issues or experiencing whole different uh, issues around weather or family or what have you. So it seems to me there's been a significant shift now when there are team meetings. It's not like everybody just came to work in one place and uh, and they could talk to each other over the water cooler. Uh, so this is this becomes a water cooler moment as you start a meeting to see if uh, if the uh, emotional, physical or um, other aspects of their lives are in, in, in effect intruding or blending, if you will with how they're going to be doing their job today. And so getting right into the job itself uh, doesn't necessarily make sense because you really have to know whether or not people are motivated to actually even work today. Yeah. Well, well the yeah, I, case, it might not matter. I think Chris, what's, what's key would be you communicating to your boss, what you need, right? What's motivating to you. Some, and I'm not saying you have to bring your whole self to work, Like that can be pretty dangerous. Right. And so, but it's more so, if I'm a leader, how can I get Chris at peak performance? What does he need from me as a leader? And for some people, it's like, hey, I, we ha- our life ebbs and flows, right? We sure. got things going on. And so I think the first, the, the greatest managers understand that there's more to their people than just the work, right? And for some people, it, it, like I have to, like works everything and that's fine. But for other people, they've got other things they're trying to figure out. And so I think we're just trying to say, hey, create a dialogue about your team. Now that we can't get around that water cooler, like Jerry says, is easy is before let's just make sure we understand what's going on you know and if they need they need it's all about conversations this isn't rocket science right conversations have been around forever so just understand your people understand what motivates them and and lean into that yeah and i wouldn't say and and i just to be clear i wouldn't say that uh i didn't appreciate when a boss would ask and i certainly care about the people that i work with and what they're and i love hearing about their weekends and what they've got planned but for me personally, that was never a motivator for me. You you could skip that part entirely, and I would have been just fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I do think maybe the pandemic has shifted that for quite a few people, though. Mm-hmm. It, it shine a light on there's a lot going on in people's lives that you might not realize because the life side of the conversational equation in some cultures is not acceptable, right? Or it's not welcome. Yeah. Uh, some work cultures, I should say, right? And so all all it did is it made it made companies real. When, when the companies get, remember those calls, right? I mean, the calls were like, "Hey, don't worry about work. Just what's like worry about what matters." If you're, yeah. if you're with three kids and you're trying to navigate remote school, and those kids are like eight, six, and four, hello. I mean, that was that was a lot, right? Or oh my gosh, I'm worried about my parents, you know, who are not in great health condition, you know, all that stuff. So. Those companies were saying, slow down and think about everything else besides work. I want to take work off because that doesn't matter right now. That's what that's what the messages were from the top down right. in those initial weeks. And I think that allowed, like Desiree saying, deep breath, pause. All right, yeah. let me really think about this here. Because pre you know, 2019, Josh and Chris and Jerry, I mean, we were we were rolling, right? We were getting on those planes and we were we were working really fast and hard and the speed was at the all-time high. So I think that's 
that's what happened. And I think in the past, the, the HR approach to work was to compartmentalize unless there was some kind of catastrophe. Then we had the catastrophe and we realized that just day to day, it's no longer uh, healthy to compartmentalize everything, but that there is something we all need to learn better in how we blend it together. And part of that is the conversation that takes place in teams uh, between your boss and yourself and and with the company uh, in terms of understanding that. And I, th- I think there's a lot to learn from that. And I think that's why, you know, folks like yourself are, are identifying this as, you know, maybe there's some capabilities that we can provide to help coach people around this kind of burnout and learn how to do this more. We need to upskill employees hiring managers, et cetera, and managers, I think, in terms of how we're going to go forward in a 21st century management style. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the, the pessimist stance for a second, because what, what, what I've seen in my 30 or so years is that the, the interest and investment that the organizations make are on a pendulum, and that, and that is pivoting off of what's happening in the space. Right, and I'll use DEI as as an easy example. We get all fired up, uh, and we being the you know big corporates, we get all fired up about you know DEI when something horrific has happened or some mega event has happened. Uh, and then over time, historically, that interest and the number of chief diversity people that we bring in, or people that are going to be focused on these projects or these employee resource groups that we're not going to invest in, that wanes. It seems to me that wanes. Uh, and then it gets a little quiet until whoop, it swings back and something else is kind of going on. And I'm, and I'm left kind of wondering if this, this is the same struggle. Is it easier now uh, to get leaders who have now gone through this, this catastrophe, right, to Jerry's point earlier, is it easier now to get them on board with mental wellness is a thing that is important to productivity. It is important to the organization's bottom line. Do you think, Josh, that they're they're really getting that? Or do you think we're also seeing that pendulum of, you know, it's going to be BAU when that starts to swing back and we're all back on the planes, if the plane and the airline industry can get their shit together. Like when, when all that's back to normal, do you see the interest waning? Do you think they're going to, this is one that's going to stick? Well, let me throw a stat at you that came out from Deloitte in the second half last year, where they said they see they surveyed only C-suite executives, and they found okay. that seventy percent, seven zero, of C-suite executives in their survey were looking to leave the job, uh, to re- looking to leave the job, and find a place that allowed them to have a better balance between their work and their life. And so this isn't just the gen whatever, the youngest generation coming up and saying, I'm not doing this. These are your, these are your most expensive leaders of your company, right? 70%. Now, we could debate the survey or whatever, but to, to us, that was one of those big aha moments where it's like, yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Everybody, everybody pre-2020 is like, wow, can I keep going with this? And so um, I, I think we're, it's, we're, we're trying – you know, we're trying to be revolutionary and open up the dialogue, similar to what we've done at other at other startups, Chris. Like, and I think it's going to be a long road to get there. Where it's getting really muddy right now is you're having all these people say, "You're coming back to the office or else." But what everybody's missing on, and they're saying, "Well, see, they don't really care about their people. They don't care about their well-being." You know, the correlation between the companies that are saying you have to come back to work and those with expensive office leases is pretty high, right? Those are the companies saying come back to work. So the ones that don't have the big commercial real estate 
are like, no, listen, do what you want to do, right? And so I think there's a little bit of muddiness there in that messaging, and it's getting caught up with, like, they don't really care about their people because they're forcing them back to work. Well, they care about this big asset that they've got in Times Square that's cost them tens of millions of dollars a month. That's what they really care about. Or 20, so, 20 buildings in the valley or, you know, 15. Yeah, well, we've said that from the beginning is there's yeah, a higher motive between shake out. I think it'll yeah. shake out. I think, I, I think if you if you if you talk to just great leaders, like I, I want you guys to think about maybe this won't work for you, Chris. But usually when we're talking to prospective clients, we say we say think about think about the leader that got the most out of you, or, or who, who jumps to your mind as like your favorite manager. And we talk about, hey, I'm willing to bet that they they were trying to coach you to be a better human, not just to be a great worker. And that doesn't mean you have to ask about what's happening on the weekend and stuff. But it's like they're they're teaching you lessons across all of life. And then think about the one that you just have, you know, the worst memories of or you don't you're not fond of. And they probably were just talking to you about work output and work output only. Right. Which kind of gets old after a while. So yeah. I, don't, I don't know if that resonates or not, but that we usually get some pretty big head bobs on that. Um, so I is it a pendulum? Yeah, I think everything's a pendulum in this space. I, I, having been in here in 20 years, like it all kind of moves along. But the crusade we are on is, listen. We don't, we don't think people should have to go back to pre-pandemic, you know, just work at all costs. The rest of the world has kind of got some of this figured out. I'm not saying you have to be like Brazil, Jerry, but it's like if we can start to help people become a little bit more aware of what's happening to their own health yeah. and the relationship that work has with that, only goodness can come, right? I think about, I think about these leaders that are, that are publicly traded, the CEOs or even private equity-backed companies. They've got big goals they have to hit over the next three years. And can you and you could draw athletic team analogies too. Can you really hit these big goals you have to hit if you're not at peak performance levels and you can't quite get to peak perf- like an NFL player is not going to be in the playoffs this past weekend if they were dogging it all summer, if the whole team was dogging it all summer and didn't show up to training camp. So it's not gonna happen. You know, and it's, so it's not just about that physical, but it's about this and it's about taking time off from sports to do the other things. So Again, not rocket science. Just understand your people, what motivates them. Make sure they're they're aligned, they're rested, and they're taking care of themselves and ask them about it and see what happens. You might learn something. I love that. I love that. Josh, let me ask you, if you were going to write a book uh, about about what's going on in the space from, from this standpoint, right, from your perspective especially, like what would the title of that book be, do you think? Pause. It's just – and it's being written about a bunch, like a lot, a lot of articles – I think a lot of well-being and wellnessy type articles or even mental health have been written the past few years, but there is a lot of benefit in slowing down and pausing, right? Um, so the book would be pause and it's, it's not just, it's pause daily, right? Or when things are really getting busy or maybe the blood pressure starts to go up or something, just slow down, press that pause button, take a couple deep breaths, walk around, drink some water and figure out what's really going on. You know, like the, the athletes say, like when they're in a stressful moment, like the game really slows down for them. It's because they're kind of doing that, that slight pause. So I, that would be my, my title of the book. I've never written a book, by the way. It's not really on the radar, but if I did, All maybe right. that title. So, so you've got this first book ahead of you uh, <laughs> with, with everything you've learned that's gotten you to where you're at. Who, who do you think gets the first signed copy of that book? Uh, I, I think, I, I think my parents, I think my parents, I, I, um, I was thinking about this yesterday. I, I've got a good relationship with both my parents, but I haven't had that that sit down with them, like the real the real thank yous, you know, for the things that they did yeah. and they sacrificed 
sacrifice. My dad, I mean, my dad definitely burned out. My dad traveled like crazy when we were younger. Um, you know, crazy story where he had to go do all these riffs and fire people because headquarters tell him to do it. And then they, they ended up firing him last, you know, and I was like, cool. really tough stories. And so I know there's a lot of, as a parent, there's a lot of sacrifices, you know, that you, that I was lucky enough to have my parents make that you don't really know what happened. And so I think as now, you know, raising the three girls, it's like, man, there's, there's a lot of sacrifices I'm sure that were there that I, I think just, you know, signing it and saying, thank you. And, you know, I still don't think they totally know what we're doing here at spotlight. But, <laughs> you know, you're, yeah, you're on to something fun when your parents don't really understand your job. Right. Yeah. It's always been that way. Video interview. What? But um, they're good. They're huge supporters. And that would be my answer. Oh, I love that. Well, well, Josh, thank you so much. It's so great to see you. I feel like it's just been ages and we're, we're really, really grateful for the time you gave us today. Thanks for catching up. You got it. That's always good to catch up. And I would say, um, if anybody's curious about this, so like I said, we wrote, we wrote some research co-authored with Britt Andreata. You could just Google spotlight burnout and you'll, it'll, it'll come up and, um, you know, it's, it's free. So would love people to just read that. we got some hot tips in there so you could start to start to recognize some things, some great things for leaders in there too, to recognize burnout themselves because that's super dangerous and burnout in their team. So good, good resource for everybody just to take a look at to learn a little more. Got it. If you're listening and you're too lazy to Google, you can just email Jerry and I. We'll send you something. We'll send it over to you. I love that. Great resource for you. Spotlight, burnout. Love it. Yeah. All right, Josh, I'm going to put you in the green room uh, for just a second. Thank you again for joining. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. I'm going to put you in there with Jerry. How's that? All right. Thanks, guys. All right. There goes Jerry. There goes Josh. Thanks, everybody. Uh, really quickly, before uh, I let you go, we got a big week this week. Uh, for those who are uh, looking to catch up and see what's going on within the CXR community, you just go to cxr.org slash events. You'll get our full calendar. We've got a workshop coming up with our friend Maury Hannigan uh, on creating effective employee testimonial videos. You won't want to miss that. We also have uh, one of our lecture series, which is a big one. This is going to be concentration and hybrid work. That's going to be on the 19th. Sorry, and uh, Maury tomorrow uh, is going to be on the 18th. So on the 19th, we're doing that lecture piece. Uh, we have an EMEA, our January EMEA community meeting that is coming up. It's dedicated to our EMEA community members and alumni. Uh, and we're having bring your friend to work today. So uh, if you are actually an EMEA member and you want to be part of that, you've got somebody who maybe isn't a CXR member, but who sits in that European market and you'd like to bring them, let us know. They are welcome to that call. That's on the 19th. Uh, and then again, a reminder, I've just got three more. Hang in there. Uh, we've got a CXR book club, Adam Grant. We're reading another one of those. Uh, Think again and Barb Reese. Uh, facilitates that conversation with everybody that'll join us. That'll be January 20th. We have a DEI uh, community meeting that is coming up for all of our members on January the 25th. And then I think the last event we've got scheduled for January, we have a workshop uh, on re-engineering talent pipelines. And that's for our members. And you won't want to miss that. So with everybody, I just want to say we will see you next week. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for listening to the CXR channel. Please subscribe to CXR on your favorite podcast resource and leave us a review while you're at it. Learn more about CXR at our website, cxr.works, facebook.com and twitter.com slash career crossroads and on Instagram at career X roads. We'll catch you next time. Oh, 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 oh